Let's go. Hello and welcome to another edition of MMA Uncaged, episode 24, I'm told, by our very capable technical team of, of Raymond Herbst uh, and the others in the background. A big thank you to them, as always, for putting the show together. It's brought to you by Ginger Fox Coffee. Check out gingerfoxcoffee.com for more guaranteed to make you as clever as a fox. And also a big shout out to all the first responders, all those people putting their lives on the line during this pandemic uh, to make things happen. The doctors, nurses, teachers, policemen, you name it, all those frontline workers. Big shout out to you. Joining me as always, uh, he is MMA royalty here. Of course, two-time EFC champion, Adam Speechley joins us. Adam, thanks as always for joining us. But let's start off before we even get into the podcast one man stole the show this this weekend and he hails from cameroon he's got an incredible backstory he's the baddest man on the planet the new heavyweight champion francis and ganu uh justin let's start with you what did you make of it because you know we all like stipe he's a man of the people a firefighter a 95 guy he's he's been a professional a consummate pro great advertisement for the sport but he just did not have enough to stop the bulldozer, the tank, the power that was Francis the Predator in Ghana. So I'm going to, I'm going to quote, uh, and it may not be appropriate, but Adam over here, he's like the law of large numbers, and I like the law of large people more. But he looked, he looked, it was a David and Goliath thing. And Ghana looked massive. He almost looked like a superhero, and it almost looked like they were a different weight class. And that opens up to that argument of uh, there should be a cruiserweight sort of uh, division between light heavy and uh, and heavyweight. But it was yeah, it was just a matter. It seemed like a matter of time before one of those thuds put somebody away. Adam, uh, I know um, Stipe has, has released a statement saying you know he got a little bit overzealous when he tagged uh, Nganu, and, and that's when he should have maybe held back. What did what did you make of it? Sure. Yeah, it was a, you know, in that, in that, in that situation, it is like, you know, with heavyweights, it's, you know, one punch ends it all. And especially in Ngannou punch, um, you know, I think everyone said, you know, like I remember there was a podcast, uh, Joe Rogan had where he said like, that's the game of MMA, you know, and that's why, you know, you look at anyone who's any seasoned guy with the except with a few, few notable exceptions, such as Khabib and John Jones, Everyone's got a, a checkered record. Like, there's no perfect record because of that, of, of those chances, of all those factors. You know, it's like he said, you should zig when you should have zagged. You know, he should have he should have held back. If he held back, you know, who knows? It's one of those where you're looking at it from a perspective of what he should have done, what he should have done. You know, and look, it's yeah, that, that's how it played out. You know, let's uh, you know, I think that we're we're Stepo's no. Uh, uh, stranger to the trilogy, I see a trilogy playing out there in the future. But obviously now the big, the big focus shifts to John Jones v's Mangano. Um, I mean that's yeah, like I'm really excited for that. And uh, and look, and also just to give credit to Ngano's side, man, he he just you know I think he he, he showed that he had learned his lesson from the first time around. He's ready for the wrestling, and he yeah, I mean I think I think that that was something that kind of stopped Stipe getting his rhythm, and that's probably what led to that maybe second guessing that he was talking about, mm. and that impatience to try and finish, because he thought, geez, I, I can't take this guy down. He's making it really hard for me. I've just tagged him. Let me finish this now because I don't want to be in here for another four more, three and a half more rounds with this kind of dynamic going on because something is probably going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and Garner just showed how much he's evolved. He took Stipe's back. You know what I mean? A couple of months back when they first fought, that was unthinkable. And all yeah. of a sudden, he just showed that he's gone from here to here. And, and it's just awesome to watch, I must say. Jay, I mean, that was incredible. Yeah, he elevated himself. I mean, first of all, there was that sprawl. And like, I try to watch fights from two perspectives. I watch it as a fan and I watch it as a judge. And the first thing you learn as a judge is turn the commentary off. But it was like... Even though Joe Jones, I mean Joe Rogan, sorry, oh. <laughs> he preempted right. the John Jones fight here before yeah, we've even uh, got an official. Yeah, and so Joe Rogan was like, "Wow, that's massive!" And that sprawl 
which led to the transition of the back take, I was like, oof, we got trouble here. Um, it just seemed like Nganu found himself and he was present in the moment. That's that's what it looked like for me. I, for the first time, I'm going to disagree with you, Adam. I, you can't sell me the trilogy, bro. Like, that for me was, that's, the book is closed. Like, when you get stanky leg like that, and I feel like he blew out an ACL when he felt like it, but I just, it's hard for me to, to, to I, I wouldn't enjoy that because it, it would look like a fair fight. Like, I, I can watch anyone fight provided it's fair. It almost feels like it would be unfair. That's, that's, that's how, I don't know, how strong he seemed. Justin, is that because of the sheer power and size difference in the fight and the fact that Stipe is 38 years old? He's already slurs his speech a little bit. With all due respect, he's been in enough wars. You know, maybe, you know, do you think this is possibly the end for Stipe? Or do you think that, Adam, that, that, that he deserves a shot at least at a trilogy? He's done it with DC. Dogs, the dogs are having a joy. Yeah, they're getting excited. All this part talk. <laughs> yeah. There's a trilogy yeah. coming there by the looks yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when you put it in that kind of context, it's you know, and also, I mean, Stipe is really, I mean, he's gone, and it happens with a lot of these guys. Like, how much time at the top do you spend? Is has Stipe um, fired his 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 uh, his uh, how do I say Cinderella shot? You know, it's one of those. Yeah, it's a hard question. Like, has the weariness started to set, set, settle in, especially with a knockout like that? You know, Stipe is a strong character. He's got the versatile skills. The big thing, and again, I want to relate to it, it reminded me of one of the things I was saying with uh, when Connor fought Khabib, was that, because Connor would kept grabbing the fence, and, and everyone was saying the ref didn't say anything, and things, and they were saying, well, why did Connor grab the fence? And uh, Khabib's dad had an answer, and he said, it's simple. Connor had never felt that kind of pressure before. And if you equate that to what I think Stipe, when he went in there and he felt and going to take his back and sprawl him like that, I think that really does put a lot of panic on you. You know, like all of a sudden the rule book's thrown out, the, the, the tactics are, are out there, and you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is a long night. Like, you know, I, I got to throw it to the walls because I don't actually want to be in here for five, for five rounds. And, you know, if that, if, that, if, that, if that was the possible mentality behind the bravado that maybe led to the ultimate knockout, because that's in Gona's territory after all. Mm. You know, then you got to say, okay, like, uh, how badly do you want it? Like, subconsciously, does he still want to be in there? Is he willing to go potentially five rounds with Ngonu like that and to, to, to be in that kind of deep end? And, yeah, maybe maybe from what we see, saw there, the answer is no. And, you know, it's, it's going to take something compelling uh, to, to change my opinion now, like Justin said. It's going to take something compelling from Stipe and whoever he's going to fight next to, to prove otherwise. Shouldn't it be Stipe John Jones next? Absolutely not. You want the man to die? No, no. I'm just, no. What I'm saying is like because John Jones, like yes, he's a goat and he's been a phenomenal champion, but he goes up a weight division and potentially his first fight is a title shot. Surely that's not fair. Surely he needs one before he gets an Ngannou. I I think that John Jones is a multiple world champion and we forget how it's the John Jones show and there's no argument from me and many matchmakers for him to have a warm-up fight. Like, that's that's the money fight. Um, why waste Stipe as a gatekeeper? He, he's out. I mean, medically, he'll be out for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, he'll be out six, six eight months. Um three months not training with that big knockouts. I uh, don't know what other injuries he's got, if there's a fractured cheek or nose or anything, and they just hand out those those medical bans and exclusions, which is mm. real. And he's got to look at how the age factor and things. Um, John Jones is not going to be out that much longer. Um, he's saying, cut me, cut me. I sent a meme on the group. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if he moves to Bellator, everyone's going to go. It was, you go we'll send it to you, Adam. It's uh, pretty funny. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm like, oof, that's a waste to lose John Jones. Uh, 
it's not the easiest fight in the world, John Jones versus Ngannou, but I don't think I mean, if there's anyone else who's an anomaly, like, it's John Jones. Like, you know, you think even, okay, fair enough, uh, DC had fought at heavyweight previously, but the fact that he got in a straight title shot, you know, I think there the precedent is already kind of set. And okay. in this case, yeah, I think if, if you're if you're Ghana White, and let's be honest, uh, UFC is about entertainment and bottom line. Like that's the part that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Um. In terms of Nagano winning, though, I mean, it's good for the sport too. Let's be honest. I, look, with mm. all due respect to Stipe, he's a wonderful champion. He's a great guy, but. Nagano's big. He's a big dude yeah. from Africa with a backstory. It's good for the sport, Jay. I mean, yeah. he's like he's, good for Africa. Yeah. Good for Africa too. I mean, Adesanya, Usman, the African champion, hundred yeah. percent. You know, so I mean, it, it goes back Not to the you. whole thing of the story of of you know you want bums on seats at the end of the day. And and Stipe, yes, he can put bums on seats, but no one puts bums on seats like a massive heavyweight. That's 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 the big selling point. Look at Connor. I mean, I know he's not a heavyweight, but bums on yeah. seats. He's the character. Masvidal. Those guys. Come on. You know that's what they so, want. He's a talking point. Like so, traditionally, the the all the rage is like one of my one one of my things to tick up on a bucket list is must see heavyweight uh, UFC bout um, championship. Must see heavyweight boxing fight. So those are things, regardless of who's a champion at the time, are going to make me go. And a lot of people, that's where the hype is. So traditionally, the smaller fighters haven't been as popular. This has changed with people like Mayweather in boxing and Connor in, in, in MMA. But traditionally, the heavyweight is the pinnacle of the sport because they say the baddest man on the planet. Because the heavyweight should be light heavyweight, should be middleweight, should be welterweight, etc. So I would want to go anyway. But when you add that star power... Like, it's become show business. Like, it really yeah. has got WWE sort of taste to it. It's that much more exciting. Stipe's become vanilla. Like, they've overplayed that mm. solid guy. And even though it's amazing, like, I look at what he achieves. He's still a full-time dad, firefighter. I look at that and I go, oof, bro, you're a, you're a weekend warrior in a full-time sort of workspace. Like, I don't... Mm. I think I don't know how you manage your time. Like I, I really don't. I think you're doing yourself a disservice by staying so full, full, uh, a full-time employee, etc. Yeah. Um, but people want this X factor. They want like a behemoth mm. to come and thud somebody, and that's what is. Apart from being a heavyweight, he's got that star power. He's got a, a great backstory, which seems very elaborate that he was put in jail. And, and for two months, and I mean, that's if it's true, it's horrendous. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know if I've tried to sneak into a country, I'd be in jail. But anyway, <laughs> he lives in Paris, so he, he's all good. Um, but I want to go back to the steeper thing. And uh, you might, I know you follow Ariel Hawani, I don't know if you do, Adam, but he he had an appreciation post for Ariel, I mean, for Stipe, and he said, The pages of the sport turn so quickly that you often get overlooked, etc. And he just wanted to say thank you for what you did for the sport, etc. So it was it's it's a good tweet to look to look out for. Mm. Like it, I know you saw it, yes, so it was yeah. very cool. But like going back to the the star thing, you know, like in South Africa, you're like, oh, I used to be a dancer or I played rugby, and then at this MMA saved me. Like that gets overplayed now. Like that's been done. Like oh, like Americans are okay. They also I played this and I was a dancer, and then then this saved me. And now the vanilla sort of, oh, I'm a good, solid family guy, isn't as exciting as I was swimming across the river and I was, I got turned back into the desert. And I, you know, I mean, the people lap it up with the fact that he's also yeah. massive and yeah. is legit. Yeah. So it kind of plays into it. And it's great for us because people are looking more at Africa. Yeah. I mean, Adam, to ask you this question, I mean, you someone who's, who's fought the belt, won the belt, lost the belt, you've, you've won the belt. Um, mm -hmm. Going into these sort of fights, and, and you, you look at, the, at Francis Nagano, and, and, and like Justin says, there was a massive size difference between the two guys. But you personally, when you were going into, firstly, fighting for a title, and then once you had it, did your mindset change at all? And, and I mean, obviously, with the different opponents that you mm -hmm. came across, different preparations in a way, but 
Maybe just shine there because Francis definitely learned lessons from his previous yeah. fight with Stipe and used them and he changed. Whereas Stipe, in a way, didn't know how to improve against mm-hmm. Nagano, if I can put it that way. Yeah, look, uh, you know, having, you know, desire and obtaining something are mutually exclusive. The moment you obtain something, your desire for it does decrease. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, with notable exceptions like a um, Mayweather and things like that, it's, you know, it is. It's very hard to maintain that hunger because you've got to remember that every person you're fighting, that's the fight of their life. They're measuring their entire life. Their entire narrative is around that fight. Yeah. And for you not, there's a normalcy that comes to it. And basically, it's the hardest thing is what, the, and you'll know it even like from soccer and even rugby, it's, you don't want to be caught defending a lead, you know. Mm. And that's a very, very easy thing to get caught into. And especially when all the highlights are on you, you know, you're having five-round fights with guys who are pushing you. So firstly, now people are getting material on you because you're getting pushed into these, these, these dark areas. So people are, are seeing openings. Mm. And each time you fight, you know, that target's on your back. And, yeah, like it's, you know, in MMA as it is, it's hard enough to maintain a winning record, let alone be a champion. And, yeah, I think I think from that side, yeah, it, things go in cycles. And say, like we were talking about now, how, you know, how Stipe is the stand-up kind of guy. I mean, I remember the whole, the, 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 the meme going around when he fought DC was that, there was a stare down, and it's like we got the dads having an argument about whose grill's better, barbecue grill's better. Yeah, yeah and that, <laughs> and I think that that was great for the sport because I think everything was kind of reeling from kind of Connor and how he played things up. But it took the sport a good couple of years to recover from the Khabib Connor kind of four or you know, it did leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth and kind of just seeing that kind of get played. And I think that that's what you see, you always see the swaying back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, so the moment like there's almost like like the, all the honors gone from the sport, there's a need for it to return, and you have that. Stepe was that. DC was that. Now you have this. Yeah, I mean, and Ngannou, dare I say, he's pretty much like a Mark Tyson type of figure. You know, and, and equally in that, you've you know, and that was the thing with Mark Tyson. You guys are, I mean, you yeah, like you said, says you grew up in the nineties. <laughs> you know, like that was that was something, man. Like that. that I mean, Any that, that like, took the world. Huh? What's that? Say that again. Any reference to Brian Mitchell going once? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it it, 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 was, it was such a, you know, that, that kind of thing literally, it, it almost like hijacked world consciousness. Like it was something that everyone stopped to see and look what was going to happen. And, you know, this is something now that, you know, Ngonu's got that power. And then you got a guy like Jones who's equally got the same amount of power. I think right now he's, he, he's, he's, out. he's got to prove a lot, John Jones. He's got the ability to show he can win. But can he win with star power? Yeah, he, he's got to prove that. And I think yeah. he's the kind of guy who's got that chip on his shoulder. I don't think, you know, he wants to be the baddest man in town, John Jones. And, you know, someone like Ngonu who can legitimately tell him, no, you're not, I think that that's really going to rile someone like John Jones up. I mean, we all saw the banter that was flying between him and Adesanya. So, you know, I, th- I think that that could really, really build up to something, you know. You know and, and I don't think we've really seen something the equivalent of that probably since Conor McGregor. But even then, take it back to a Muhammad Ali. Then take it back and, again, bring it forward to Mark Tyson. Like, you know, you look at those dynamics and, you know, things have – sports have to go through cycles to have those things emerge. And, yeah, yeah I, I think it's, a, it's an exciting era. But And like you said with Ariel saying thank you to Stipe – I think that was important. It was an important message to show people like, hey, here's a stand-up guy. He's looking after his family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for all we know, like, you know, Gunner, it's the same kind of story. It's, you know, these guys do. They bring their kids into the, the cage and they show, hey, look, I'm a family man. You know, and I think that that's important just to show people that side of things. So it's kind of brought an honor back. But with that now, you've got – it's an interesting space we're going to see. I think we're going to see ourselves entering because Gunner's a bad a badass – because of how he is, not because he talks trash, not because he this, you know, he's like you said, he's got the backstory and he's not, he's not cocky. He's, he does what he does. It's, it's, his, it's like what it, I think that was my best line from Mark Tyson. Intimidate my opponents. Why would I intimidate my opponents? I intimidate them by hitting them. <laughs> uh, I've got, I've got a much better quote that was, you'll have to edit out. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite Mark Tyson quotes has got nothing to do with being nice. <laughs> I, I agree with you, like they're polar opposites, and this is funny enough. Like, I'm obviously uh, John Jones' massive fan, and 
I always have believed, yes, there have been closer fights, but there's been no fight that I would doubt that there was a question of doubt. Like, mm. I, I would say, yeah, okay, it's a tough fight, but he'll beat him. Um, I know there have been closer fights because he's buggered around uh, yeah. and not taking it seriously, And, and but my opinion from the outset is he's always been the favourite in my brain, and I'm going, sure, this is a big one. And John Jones has got a lot to prove. Like, yeah. he's let people down. I, I remember sharing a meme, it's like, when he buggered up against DC the first time, and it was, I, I said, I want John Jones to lower me into my grave so he can let me down one last time. <laughs> and it, it's, it was like, it was, for me, it was, he was his biggest opponent, and up until Nganu was. But now you've got this here, and that's that's a fight, and I'm going, sure, I'm not going to bet that sure money on Jones. Yeah. Um, size is a big thing. Uh, is he taking it seriously? Uh, I don't know. Like, he's saying be cut, and then he's fueling the fire of being scared. I know he's not scared. I don't believe there's fighters that are... I don't believe fighters are scared of their opponents. I believe fighters are afraid of losing, yeah. but they're not afraid of pain. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not a fighter, but I don't believe that one man is scared of another man. If you're an athlete, you have a certain mindset, especially if you're an accomplished athlete, you're not going to be afraid of that. You're going to be afraid of the outcome. Like, you don't want to get that L. You don't want to lose. You don't want to lose a belt. And it goes back to people. Sometimes people fight to, I'm a bit over the, all over the place for a long day, but sometimes people fight to win. And that's often when you're looking forward and you're looking to beat the champion because yeah. you, that, that champion has set a blueprint for you to study. Yeah. Champions don't, it's very hard for them because they've got a search for it in Trailblaze. Yeah. Very hard for them to look back and study opponents coming up. And that's where that X gets painted on their back. Yeah. And that's why it's much harder to stay champion than to become champion. Um, Adam, your, your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, because I suppose when you're top of the pile, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, it, it, you know, and I think that that's also, you know, one of the classic lines. Uh, I can't name. I couldn't tell you who actually said it to me, but one of the things they said is, a, a, "A win doesn't feel as good as a loss feels bad," you know. And and that's it. The fear and that's and like you talked about fighting to win. It's also fighting not to lose, and yeah. it's that that fighting to avoid failure. Like that's probably one of the bigger things in sports psychology now is about getting guys to fight to win, to be motivated by passion versus fear of failure. Because fear of failure is a powerful motivator, but it also, yeah, like I said, it's defending a lead. And even if it works, it's not a, it's just not nice to watch. It's just, it's a very, it's a lack mentality, if you will. It's not someone who's, who's putting it all out there. It's someone who's literally trying to save something. You know, there are the, the, the most extreme analogy I can give is like Schmeagel from Lord of the Rings, my precious. You know, and it's, it's, it's like anytime you see that happen, it's like, it's it's just it's, the guy looks desperate. You don't want to, you know that's it's not it's never nice because it's not that guy's potential. He's he's holding on to something rather than take taking what's coming in front of him and bringing it on. So it's a it's it's, it's a very it's a very different mentality. And I think right now I don't think that is that a factor now because I think for John Jones I think it's exciting because he's going up. How jaded is he because he's been in the sport a long time? Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at looking at uh, at John Jones, he certainly would like to to prove a point, and 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 maybe he misses the the lights of, of the UFC. But the, the big thing is that you get to a point, and and I'm not an uh, an a, a, an athlete in any way, but you get to a point where your career is your career, and that's the end of it. And 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 someone like John Jones might be looking at this as his, his twilight of his of career of his career, but you know. It comes a time with every athlete, they've got to make a call. And that's probably what Jones is trying to do is maybe one last big payday, one last belt. Um, because as Justin said, he's let people down. He's let himself down. He's let the sport down. He's, he's dragged it through the mud. So maybe this is his one last shot he's got at, at redemption in a way. Hey, Jay, I mean... I'll say this. It's a big problem in fighters. A lot of them don't realize when it's time. And that's why they've got to surround themselves with people who care enough about them to say, no, no last payday, no last redemption, no last, it's done. Like a lot of guys hang around and they fight for the wrong reasons and they reach, etc. Uh, uh, it's it's difficult to measure, but it's 
you, you don't want to be that guy where you want to be ahead of the curve. You want to retire and not be retired. Yeah, yeah. On your not, own not terms. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I don't know. And it comes back to maybe like this feeling of, and Adam, you, you'll have to help me out, chat. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people say, uh, you speak a lot of FFM guys saying it's not about the fight, it's about the process. Mm-hmm. And they were out of the process and the performance. And I, I always like, no, and winning is winning, bro. Like, and you know, I, I never, and the only time that I experienced it was taking, uh, we went to, uh, oh, I helped manage the South African team. And obviously, yeah, we went to the world champs, the IMF world champs, and we were, we were 0 12, I believe. We, got, we didn't win 0 5. We were close to winning uh, two, very close to winning one. Um, and it was like, I, I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't care, because I obviously care very much. I didn't mind the outcome because of the hurdles we've overcome to even get there. Like, I was okay with that. Have you ever had that feeling of like you were okay with the, out, the, the outcome, Adam? And I mean, you know, is it, is it, do you, and the people you share that you train with, are they happy with to get to a certain point and then that's a bonus, but they're happy with just, achieving getting to the cage door do you get what i'm saying yeah i mean that 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 is how i approach all my fights and that's why i put everything in i left no effort unturned because to me i know whatever's going to happen in there now it's it's not going to be for lack of effort from myself then you know then all of a sudden there's not this my one day if only i trained a bit harder and then obviously there's all these other things that come almost in free. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you, you've actually released to 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 the you've released yourself to the outcome. You realize it's at that point. And I think there's you know there's there's moments people will have in their lives where that's it. It's maybe you know let's say you've just gone for this big interview, you've had the interview, you've walked out the door, or it's just before the interview, and it's kind of like okay, like there's nothing more right now I can do. I need to let go of this. You know, and, and the mind has this need to uh, have this to hang on to an illusion of control, and it's only when you let go of that that things actually kind of yeah you actually set yourself free. And sometimes in this case, it's like life. In this case, life forces you to. You don't really have a choice, and in a very very visceral way. And I think that that's a big appeal for fighting because for a lot of people, like that's maybe the only time they get that freedom, and you know they chase that feeling outside of the cage afterwards and that's what makes it so hard to go back to normal life mm. when you've had when you've had a taste yeah. of something like that so let me let me put this into the the mix tyron woodley it might be fight past his best if you know what i mean at, at 39 sure, yeah. years old he's he's an incredible he's been a champion he's an incredible specimen um but against vicente luque he just just was uh, you know it was fights of the nights at the end of the day the world's weight bout but mm. it looks like Tyron Woodley's career with the UFC is over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks, also, he, he looks like he's taken some. He looks like he's taken some damage, and he and he got hurt. Um, yeah, I agree. I think uh, his opponent took pity on him and asked him, um, and I, I was like, uh, that's a grace. Like that's you can what a what a what a gentleman is an opponent because he could have pounded him out. Um, you know, you know everything is everything's a journey and it's got a beginning and an end. And it's it is sad. Uh, I mean, there's no. I, I, I don't think some for somebody like Woody, there's no under he's not underprepared. I don't I don't see him get beaten because of cardio or whatever. He just. He just got beat. Like it wasn't. A, I don't think it was a lack of preparation. Or whatever. Maybe, but maybe is a little bit long in the tooth. Like thirty-seven seems to be this magic number. Like it's, you know, like yeah, I mean, it's a bit morbid, but you know that there was a whole bunch of musicians that died at twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Like, and it just seems to be that magic number of like even DC Father Time was undefeated. Even DC got to that age, and I mean, this is an Olympic wrestler, and then. It caught up, steeper. It caught up. Like it, it's history is plagued with with our short MMA history is plagued with with age being a factor. Like even look at Tyson versus I can't even remember who he fought in the exhibition fights. Like Roy Jones, he's yeah. a beast for fifty. Who Roy Jones. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, he's a beast at fifty three or whatever his age is. 
but he's still 53. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's yes, he's going to beat up every other 53 year old that you can find, but there's no place for you in young man's sport. You know what I mean? Like sit on the couch. It's it's time, and you don't want to get into a situation where you get hurt, or you take like you get to a point and you take away from your legacy. Like for what? You, yeah. Realistically, you're on a three fight slide. What are your chances in a massive division? It's not like it's got eight people in the division and you can get thrown in for a title fight. You look at your age, you cross-section it with what, how far it would be to get back to title contention and you're like, hey man, the numbers aren't good. You know, if they, yeah. if they, and I don't like to use the term picked your fights, but if they were better matched and he was, it was, he wasn't fighting someone on the up, you're fighting someone on the same level. Uh, like the path of, uh, Alistair Overing took at the end and Orlovsky took at the end. They were well matched and they were, yes, they were fighting for money. I get that. Mm. But it was more even than being sort of leveled up against a guy that's going to put you away like that. Yeah. It's bad examples because they both could horrendous knockouts. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully you get the gist of it. Because I mean, yeah. Adam, as, I mean, I know that, that you you were still sort of contemplating your career um, uh, and, and I'm not uh, putting any pressure mm. on you to, to make an answer here, but no, when not. do you think you would call it a day? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I speak to other sportsmen and we interview sportsmen in my, my other job all the time and it's like, mm. they always say it's not, uh, it might be what Justin said about the process, it's the process, mm. it's not the actual game. They look forward to the game, but it's like, mm. for example, the, the stretching session or the ice bath or the conditioning session or the camps, you know, mm. you know, when do you believe someone should make that call? I mean, I also know you're a medical professional, but, you know, mm. besides that, is it purely psychological or is it a physical thing? Or was it a bit of both? Sure. Um, so if you look at, I guess, if, you, if you're looking at, at this even like in a maybe a philosophical, maybe even theological kind of viewpoint, you, you know, it's like man goes and explores and he finds new territories and then eventually he settles. And, you know, I think the hardest thing is one of, one of the best analogies someone gave me was, you know, the, the, the sport of free diving where someone holds their breath and they go all the way down. And basically the, a lot of people die in that sport. Why? Because when, when have you gone deep enough? You know, like when, like, and, and that's a hard question because only you can be okay with that answer. And like you said, it's about being around people who can say, listen, but like it was great, but you, you need to kind of call it. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because it's such a big phase where things turn out, where, where, where literally your whole life transitions. And same when you talked about the 27 club. So with a lot of these guys, just to bring that into, into comparison. So you got guys like Jim Morrison of the Doors um, and these kind of guys. So basically they're rock stars. They've got all the money in the world. They've got all the freedom in the world. They can go wherever they want. They can sleep with whoever they want. They, they've got access to all the hedonistic pleasures. Any, they're basically a 20-year-old's 20, 20 dream. Like if you can be like them, you've got everything. And now for them, I think what happens is that you get to a stage where like, okay, you are that person that – that whole thing, while it's great, it's not. it doesn't make you as happy as you thought it would. And secondly, you realize it's a wheel. And the wheel is turning. And right now you're on the top. But there are these youngsters who haven't been where you are. They're hungry for it. They're coming for it. And you are going to taper off. So if you're measuring life by those standards, more this, more that, I'm going to be the best. And if you think, yeah, the harder that these people are fighting for, especially athletes and, or any athlete, is to be the top of the heap. You know, to be the best, like that feeling of walking around, like I'm gonna, I'm the best person here. I'm the champion of the world. You know, it's like, okay. And then what? Now, what happens when you're not the champion in the world? What if you're the guy who, who was the champion five years ago, and no one cares anymore now because champion of now is around the corner, and no one cares about you. And that's a, that's a, it's a very hard, hard question to ask. It's a very hard, but you have, like eventually you have to answer that question. A lot of people, this thing, they are so frightened of that question that they run from it their entire lives. That's why they fight their sixth fight and there's the sixth straight loss. That's why they're still there. That's why the guys overdose on drugs because they're chasing that happiness. So they're basically self-destruct because they can't face that truth. And I'm saying I'm lucky. I had a degree. At least I had something to fall back on. It was extremely, extremely hard for me. Mm. And 
Yeah, I, 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 and that's that's something that only yeah I think deep down in, in in their own minds only they can answer that question yeah. only they can finally get to that point of of accepting it and it is a process it's not something that's easy and yeah I think and dare I say also the guys who do get it right you don't really hear about them I mean probably best example to use uh, Woodley's teammate Ben Askren he did that straight away he lost to Damien Meyer and he said listen guys I can see I'm not going to be the champion. I'm out of this. Oh. Uh, on that cue. Oh, we got a, we got, we, we got a guest. Uh, <laughs> is arrived. Gareth Soldier Boy McKellen. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, Gareth, we're just talking about, you know, um, Tyron Woodley potentially, you know, calling it a day. His time might be up. And, and Adam's been sharing some insights into when it is the right time to potentially call it a day. Is it in the process? Is it when you've reached that pinnacle? And you don't know how to sort of walk away. So firstly, let me apologize to my esteemed uh, panel for a uh, late entrance. But, you know, in true soldier boy fashion, I, I try to steal the limelight again. So the bed ash printing, so he's now yeah. going uh, after certain fights, you think, after, as opposed to... Probably better win against Jake Paul. Yeah. Like the whole sport is Are we allowed to even talk about that? Because it's just, come on. Are you are kidding it. me? <laughs> but, <laughs> things just degenerated. Listen. Yeah. Carry on, Gareth. Yeah, well, money sometimes is a good option to go back in and I'm not worried about the money I'm worried about the, what he represents and that he's literally that Jake will handpick somebody whose hands are not great and the money will yeah, but you know, it can fix it and Adam will agree with me the moment you take your eyes off somebody and think that he's not capable that's when you learn the hardest lesson so I think a lot of people are counting Ben Asker out um, that he has no ability at all 100% he can box might not be pretty, it might not look amazing, but he definitely, definitely will be able to hit him and hurt him. And Ben Esker's a tough guy, man. He's, he's, he, he knows how to grind things out. He's got a, a hell of a lot of experience against a guy who's not a very experienced boxer. He's somebody who's boxing and he's doing well, but he hasn't knocked out a, box, a, a guy or he hasn't gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with a really good boxer and proven himself. He's some guy who's got a voice and uh, is capable of throwing a punch and uh, getting a result. Maybe Asker's not the guy, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't write Asker off. I wouldn't write Ben Asker off at all, not by a long shot. Well, we want some order restored, we know. We want, you know, these guys <laughs> who come in. We want uh, the, the MMA professionals to triumph on this one. Guys, um, let's move along with this. Sean O'Malley's mm -hmm. back. The Sugar Show is back. Uh, he almost got a walk-off KO in the first round, but he should have finished. What do you guys make of that? Because Thomas Almeida was one tough SOB, and he stood there for all three rounds taking shots. Um, what do we make of that? Adam, maybe you jump in here. When it comes to a sort of a knockout punch and a walk-off KO, you know, sometimes I suppose it's, it's, uh, you know, it makes for a great highlight reel. But sometimes you've got to be clinical and finish the fight. You can't let that sort of second go because sometimes they recover, as we saw in Thomas Almeida. So I think if we want to, and I'll take this, if to, to, to talk about what Sean O'Malley like represents is, you know, he's probably the hero to like a lot of people in like the younger generation because, you know, he's this, he's basically like, if you can say his religion, is like Facebook in a way. It's, it's all about social media. He's about, it's me, me, me. Look at me. Look how cool I am. It's full hedonism. Yeah, he's like a rock star in a way. You know, he's got this rock star thing. So for him, you know, in that situation, I think he would probably do the same thing again. I don't see him ever playing the clinical role because that's not his style. Everything from the fight career that he had emerged from this rock star kind of lifestyle. And he's not going to change that because that's who he is. And I don't mean that in terms of like a clinical business decision. I mean, like that's literally who he is. He, there's nothing more beyond that. And I think, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, people do have changes. I mean, we've seen guys change over time in, in the fight sports. So it'll be interesting to see. But, 
Yeah, I mean, based on what I've seen of Sean O'Malley and like what he stands for and what his probably his internal motivators are, like that's that's what he's about. And you know, listen, those are the guys you pay to watch sometimes. It's a Nick Diaz type of guy. It's like, listen, the guy's winning and he's good, but he doesn't care about winning. He just wants to be this, like, they, they're in there for something else. I don't know what the hell it is, but they're in there for something else. That reminds me, like and subscribe uh, the podcast. And, you know, no, thanks. We'll, we'll appreciate yes. that. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, for that. <laughs> thanks for that, Adam. Uh, yeah, Gareth, uh, Justin, your guys' thoughts? Uh, so the thing about O'Malley is he's a... He, He's a, he's a weird fighter in that he works hard. He's a guy who puts a lot of effort into himself. I mean, he doesn't have the skill set that uh, that he does because he's he, it just happened. He works hard at it. But he's a guy, he's a he's 100% backing of himself. You know, he walks, he's like Adam says, he walks around in this bubble, me, 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 me. And uh, to be honest, I think where he came from and the fleck that he took in the last fight and the way there were a lot of people downed him and a lot of people wrote him off and said he wasn't capable. To get into the fight the way that he did, have to adapt. And then, again, just has that star quality ability to to uh, to create that kind of knockouts. And then it's just his response afterwards. So I think he's, a, he's an incredible marketing tool for himself. He's not a, he knows how to do that very well. And he has the skills. He also, I think, after the last fight, had to learn how to man up. And he, and he, I think he, he showed that. Um, so I think he's definitely put himself right in the mix of things in that division. And he's going to get a big name, I, I can promise you. So are we, are we right to get excited about Sugar Shane, Jay? I mean, are we, is this guy, I mean, Sugar Sean, is, is he a potential bantamweight champion in the making? Uh, too early for me to say. Um, too early to win me over, but I, I do enjoy the character of him. It's different. Um, I don't know if he's my favourite. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I do enjoy watching him. Uh, my opinion on this topic is a little bit different. It just shows how fickle people are um, from from the way that they handle referees. If, if somebody, if the referee is that much, let's say not even late. Let's say he's talking about late or early. But if he lets an oak get an extra punch to finish and then basically lets the fighter peel him off, oh, no, he was too late. Then the referee will get flack about, oh, no, no, he, he didn't do anything and he, he let the guy recover. Just shows uh, to me how fickle people are. Um, but you would rather play to the rules and, and, and like uh, Adam said, Sean O'Malley is about himself because he wanted that. He, he wants that Facebook walk-off. He wants that highlight reel. Uh, we should have just stuck to stuck to the nuts and bolts and finished. And he could have finished at the first, but dragged to the third. But yes, he's entertaining to watch. Yeah, the substance behind it, um, undecided. Yeah, but sometimes but, I but to buy into people. Eh? But he's a hundred percent what the sport wants. Like he's he's marketable. He's got this well, own character. If you'd been here earlier, you would have seen my opinion about the fact that there's a WWE sort of tinge to to the sport where <laughs> even if it's the, if it's the straight lace good guys, they become too vanilla. And the sport does need people like this. Yeah, the characters. Yeah. His hair is a talking point. His face tattoos are a talking point. The way he speaks is a talking point. The way that he was jumping for an imaginary hoop is a talking point. So... Whatever it is, the Sugar Sean show, we've all bought tickets for it. Yeah, 100%. Um, getting back to your point on the referees, uh, Gareth, you know, like you see referees where a guy, and lately you've seen, a, seen guys collect extra punches on the way. You know, where is that line? You know, because it happens quickly and it's a reaction thing for a lot of the time. But what could be done by these refs to, to potentially negate just an additional shot? Because it's often those final shots that do the most damage like what stipe was on his way as as you said stanky leg justin but he collected one on the way you know what i'm saying like okay so so there's two scenarios he gets hit does a stanky leg falls over exactly like he did francis smashes him in the face and it's fight it's fight over he gets a stanky leg he collapses he recovers and he ends up going on to win the fight at after five rounds, whatever the case or the scenario of the finish is. 
it's it's such a difficult decision. I mean, a lot of the time the ref is acting purely on instinct. It's what he feels at that exact time to go. Should I let it go? I'm letting it go because I think Stipe is a tough guy and he can respond, and I'm going to give him that opportunity. Um, in the moment he dives on the guy too early, and everybody goes, "Oh, it was the early fight." But at that specific moment, the ref's decision was, "I need to save this guy," and you can't you can't point the finger at him like that. Yes, when the when there's when there's a call that's exceptionally dodgy and it's all over the place and it's just a, an outright bad call, then a different discussion has got to be had. I think those channels have to be created within the organisations that run uh, the events, the governing bodies, and so forth. They need to deem: is it something that he needs to be uh, be taken to task on? No, he made the right decision at the time. It's the same as every as a player in in most sports and refs. There's a panel they've got to answer to. So, same, I think, um, uh, just you know better, the, there is a panel, and I'm pretty sure they discussed that afterwards. I'm pretty sure that the organization have those conversations about fights and what did, what, what, what went wrong, what was right, if there's scoring problems, why did we get to those numbers? Um, you know, these are just standard practices. Uh, again, we're, we're developing, it's a developing sport that's growing. It's, it hasn't been around for 100 years. It's something that's growing all the time. And then the athletes are leveling up at such a drastic rate, the refs have got to try and keep up with how fast they react. What are their responses to? Can they take big punches? How do they respond after, respond after they hurt? You're seeing a lot of guys, how do you stop a guy now in the UFC? You've got to put him lights out. That's how you stop him. There's no more rocking a guy, getting on and beating him up because a lot of fighters have learned how to deal with the scenario, calm themselves down, maintain defend, get themselves back in a fighting position, and then, you know, carry on fighting. So, uh, it really is a tricky one. Uh, you know, I, I feel I feel for FC stages. Yeah. Um, but again, there's also opportunity where you've got, to, you've got to call them on the things that they've done. Uh, officials, like anybody, must always uh, reflect and then call on their peers, and their peers should call on them uh, to improve. You can never say, like, being the best in the world is temporary. You've got to work to stay being the best. Those referees have to work. The philosophy for me and a lot of the guys is I'd rather have the I'd rather argue with you about an early stoppage than commiserate with your family and explain to them for a long. So if there was an early stoppage in this depot, completely obviously hypothetical because it wasn't. But if there was an early stoppage, it calls for a, re- a rematch. Yeah. Yes, it's not great, but it, it opens it up for we can on another day, live to fight another day, essentially. If there's permanent damage and that person cannot continue and they can, I suppose they can't pinpoint it from a specific blow, but I'm pretty sure that, that when he was stiff and his head had nowhere to go, and then Garnu's 120. Yeah. Headed up. His Ford escort punch. Yeah, yeah. And it might be when there's at least there was movement from the punches. He could move back. Yeah. But when he was lying on the ground, there's no give. There's that much yeah. given that phone. Uh, yeah, I, I'd rather, I'd far rather argue with you and mm. say, guys, we can do this again another time. Yeah. Then, then there'd be permanent damage, and we've got to commiserate over the death or whatever the case is. Adam, Adam your, yeah, your, your Adam's the physio, and he's you know, yeah, he's fought. And what do you, what is your take? So I mean, I've yeah, I've been on the receiving end of one or two where I thought the ref called early, and yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's hard. Like, and, and that's I was even thinking there. It's like, oof, is, is that something? That's Can you tell us? <laughs> so it was well when I thought J- Jeremy Smith, Troy Mayers was my referee, okay. and then when He's I not thought. Swimming. Yeah, so he, he found, you know, his extreme reffing and then now he's yeah, extreme yeah. sword. <laughs> and, and I mean, and then the other one was um, when I fought Abdullah Hamdan, uh, Walter Wendt ref my fight. And, you know, I mean, I can tell you my subjective experience of that was that I basically thought he just stood in between us while we were standing and then the fight was over. I didn't realize I was on the floor when I was protesting. <laughs> no, <bro>. so. <laughs> no, I don't remember the Troy Mayer's coverage, but I remember the Walter Wendt. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I mean, 
you know, obviously a fight. I mean, you know, for us in the context of it, we've, we've gone through a, a fight camp. We've done everything we can in there. Like, you know, for us, there's nothing like, you know, we want to know with finality. Like, uh, like for me, I, I don't think I'd ever shouted a ref for having a late stoppage. But then again, I've never been in a position where I've, where the ref has had a late stoppage for me. So, from your side, yeah. I mean, obviously, a guy can get quite temperamental. I mean, a good example would be Robbie Lawler when he fought Ben Askren. Like, he lost his rag because he said he wasn't out. Was he out? I don't have an answer for you. But, you know, it's... It, you know, for the fighter, a fighter when he's in warrior mode, like, listen, he's he's gonna say, listen, let it go on. Like, at the end, I've signed up for this. Whatever, whatever's gonna happen to me, I'll take it like a man. And to use the the words of, um, uh, sorry, what what was the name of the guy who fought uh, Dan Hardy? He said, let me go out on my shield. You know, and then everyone yeah. started using the line after every post fight interview. Yeah, and so- then. And that was the thing is that so it's like, so for fighters like that to have their mentality and I guess that's the point is the ref is there to moderate and mediate that to basically save a fighter from himself and you know as much as we don't like it like you know I think that's it it's like you know there's the the grown up talking and then there's the you know the the, the inner kid who who's in there is like hey man don't why why are you being such a killjoy so yeah I mean in this case yeah in this case yeah like you said rather be the one arguing over the early stoppage than. Uh, for anything else. So, to, to, just the thing, after uh, the Brendan Lazar fight, I mean, I was already, uh, he'd already, he'd already hit me and I'd, I was already up, my one leg had folded like that and I still took a shot after the fight. And when I, afterwards, I was angry about it and then I thought to myself, well, at the end of the day, it was your fault. You were there. You, you put yourself in that scenario. You can't blame the ref. It's not the ref's fault. You know, you were the one that wanted to climb in there and 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 put yourself in that uh, situation. So you must accept whatever the result is. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and I, and I and I also like I, I don't agree because it's 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 not a it's I look at it as it's an can the scenario be improved? Could somebody have been quicker? And uh, who was the referee? Fedlund. Ah, oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, okay, I, agree, I agree. You can look at it. He's the type of person that will look at it and go, I could improve on that. Like, uh, it's, it's, you, you can't be annoyed in either way. You can't be annoyed with yourself. You can't be annoyed with him. Yeah. Uh, I believe <clears throat> qualified referees, for the most part, uh, have the best intentions. And it's drummed that the officials, etc. that that's, that's safety. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, you, you, you know, is the extra shot necessary? Sometimes, you know, you ride in there and you are just a fraction too far. Yeah, the adrenaline is, I mean, it's like Adam said, the adrenaline's going, you're just in the moment and you just program that way. You must remember as a fighter, I'm not thinking, oh, don't hit him a second time, not an extra shot. I'm going till the ref pulls me off. Because I want to make sure that's your mindset. You 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 you've you've made this decision that whatever it takes, I'm going to win this fight. So uh, it's it's hard when it's so fast. Like I mean, you think about it. Boom, right hand, and he's already dropping to hammer your head through the floor. I mean, he's responded as quick as he possibly can. The ref's got to try and keep up with that scenario. So it is sometimes it is just a difficult thing for the ref to get himself in between the fighter. And yo, you eat one extra one to the teeth. Yeah, yeah. What? You don't feel it. Don't worry. Yeah, no. Don't feel it. It's a lot. A lot. I feel it later on when you're at home and your face is feeling a bit messed up. It's like It's all good. That's something I wanted to ask. Well, well, got you. And we are running out of time, unfortunately, but. That next day, when your face is taking shots, and I mean, well, you know, you see the cartoons of them putting stakes on the eyes, and you know, I mean, when you wake up the next morning and your face is like, it can't be a good feeling, unless you've won. Well, I, I suppose. This for you. That's exactly it. It all depends on the win or loss. It feels better <laughs> oh, if you won. It feels hang worse on. If loss. Hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Any, any fight will tell you he's willing to take a hiding, but. It must be for the for the right result. Yeah. If you win, you can walk around with a big smile on, and your body can be as sore as you want. You'll yeah. 
You'll carry it everywhere you need to go. When you lose, <laughs> you just want to want to lock yourself in your bedroom. Does it hurt and more, rock, Adam? And lock yourself to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh... <laughs> all right, uh, guys. Let's quickly touch uh, on this weekend. Um, we've we've got an interesting card. I think uh, Darren Till against Vittorius is quite an interesting matchup. Uh, ah. I think that that's something people will get excited about in terms of the the middleweights. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, nobody wants to know. <laughs> Darren Till. No, listen, I, I think Darren Till uh, has got a good opportunity to to put his hand up in the middle uh, the middleweight division. If he gets another good win, he's uh, he's a hundred percent in the mix. Um, but the Victoria, he's he's tough and he's got a good skill set. But I I don't see him being much more than what he is now. I don't think he has that extra extra bit in him to go for it. I think Darren Till should negate this quite easy, to be honest. Okay. Adam, Justin? He's bigger bigger than Till. Yeah, look, uh, not too many people are bigger than Till. He's a tall boy, but... um, Uh, Different, right? Yeah. He's a, a, you know, I think he's a youngster as well. You know, he's he's, he's experienced a lot for someone of his age. And, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously it's getting to that, uh, I guess it's also getting to that question time for him where it's like, do things go up or do they go down now? You know, because it can happen to these, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think probably a good example is, I guess, Oliveira. I mean, that guy stuck around for a long time. And only now is he kind of getting to the pinnacle of the lightweight division. And then you could have someone like Islam Makachev who could just come and take him and drop him bump back down again. But, you know, it's, it's just like, that's the, that's the game, man. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard for these guys. Like, and he has fought Israel Adesanya. You know what I'm saying? He's had a taste yeah. of that, uh, the the big time. So this is yeah. this this Darren Till fight probably is more important to Vittori getting through this than it is for Darren yeah, Till to I, see him off. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd say Darren probably got that fight too early against uh, against Israel, uh, and he's although he's had a little bit of a setback, I think he's still on an upward trajectory. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Mackenzie Dern, uh, we like her against Nina Ansarov. Mackenzie Dern, a lot of talent, but just hasn't quite sort of fired. Uh, is that fair to say? I think she's pretty pretty. <laughs> she, yeah. That goes a long way. <laughs> Paige Van Zandt is still your favorite uh, female fighter, Justin. We know that. She's, uh, listen, she's, her, her ground game is out of this world. She's got an unbelievable ground game. And if she can put any... I, I don't think there's many fighters in the women division that will hang with her on the floor. Not not many at all. Mm. Um, and she's her striking is getting better. She's improving. I mean, she's she's on a four-fight four, four fight win streak at the moment. So she's not uh, she's not doing bad at all. Um, I think there, there's a lot of expectation on her because she she's a big name in the jiu-jitsu world. And the female jiu-jitsu circuit. So, you know, I think people are expecting her to go on and be a top contender. Um, and then, obviously, everyone loves Mike Perry, platinum Mike Perry. Uh, because we don't, we, don't, we don't know what he's going to bring on the day. But he goes up against Daniel Rod- Rodriguez. Is, his wife is he going to walk up to Beyonce again? No, is his wife coaching him? Yeah, it, was, it was Beyonce. Wife, yeah. Yeah, 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 100%. He doesn't want to spend money on other stuff there. But um, <laughs> a guy like Mike Perry, yet again, a character that we want to see, that we, we, we want to find out what he's going to do next because we don't know. There is unstable. Anyone who tattoos above their eyebrow, whatever he's written there, I mean, come on. There's already <laughs> question marks there. But um, is that a kid now? He's reformed. Is that a kid? Yeah, yeah. Is that a kid? He's reformed? Look, one week before the child was born, he was drunk in public and then cut his leg open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, it's it's. Uh, but again, we've bought the ticket to his show. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And the, the way that he can fight, he can fight. And but he could fight. prove himself if he surrounded himself with excellence. Hundred percent. No his man, wife the... is an unbelievable coach. She's unbelievable. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> last one, last one, and it's still a little while away. Uh, just uh, under a month away. Kamaru Usman against Jorge Masvidal. I mean, we're, we're talking about bundles. Come on, Masvidal. We, we, we do not want to miss that one. Adam, let's start with you, and then we'll move around with the rest of the lads. This could be very sure. interesting. Last time, Masvidal took it on six days' notice, right? Yeah. Now, that cut killed him. Yeah, a full camp, different story, surely. 
Yeah, look, Masvidal's an explosive fighter. He's he's that that first round he imposes himself. He's he's got the power later, on, but he's he's got that Conor McGregor kind of also that dynamic of he starts hard. And you know, we obviously saw him get uh, uh, Usman get rocked against um, uh, Burns. You know, so it can happen. It's just a case of you know, can can he can he can he mix it up enough to stop. Usman imposing because Usman's just got that kind of hypnotic slow style that he just slowly constricts you and eventually you're stuck on the back fence sitting with him and he's just kind of teeing off on you and he's got his head under your chin and you're sitting here like you just can't get anything started and I think someone like uh, Masvidal as he's proven he starts with something straight away so you know I think if he can stop that uh, juggernaut locomotive moving forward um zombie that is uh, Usman, you know, then yeah, I, th- I think if, if anyone's going to upset it, I would say that the first rounds to watch be the first two rounds. If, if it's going past that uh, Usman, Usman for decision again, uh, you know, he's, he's got the, he's got that, he's got that uh, beat sheet written. He knows how to play that game. So it's, it's just a question of, uh, can, can he, can he stop the train before it gets out of the station? Unless he's got a flying knee that's on target. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't think nothing strikes twice. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, I think Masvidal is 100% has the ability to beat Kamaru's one. If he makes it into a street fight, which which when he does, he uh, against Darren Till, against all the guys, uh, against... Um, who else did he fight? He caught him going backwards. Um He's got to get Kamaru's... Uh, wasn't it the BMF, wasn't it the BMF uh, fight? Uh, yeah, Diaz. He's got to make it a street fight with Kamaru's one, and then that's when he's going to shine. He can't make it a technical MMA fight with Kamaru's one. Kamaru's one's too well-rounded. He's got a simple game plan, like Adam said. He's going to move. He's going to, his boxing's improved a hell of a lot, so he's going to back that quite a lot in this fight, I can, I can guarantee you. And if he gets into a wrestling thing, it's, it's so difficult. And, and I say this with utmost respect. That North African strength is, is unlike nothing that people understand. Like, mm. Kamar Usman is such a physical guy that when he gets hold of you, he just drains the life out of guys on the floor. Um, and he did the same thing to, to, to Masvidal. As much as, as, much as it, uh, Masvidal took it on six days' notice, um, he had to adapt his whole game plan and the way that he fought to somebody who he knew that he, he didn't want to get into a striking match with. So, but isn't it crazy that they fought before? We've had an outcome. Usman is the clear favorite, yet the star power shows that we are talking, apart from the last 30 seconds, we have been talking about Juan Masvidal. Yeah. It's 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 whether players like Masvidal can show up and win, or if he's gonna get, or if he's gonna get tired and lose. It's not about it's, it's less about Usman winning than it was about Masvidal winning all these. Listen, like, sorry, I will say one thing. If he's still in there for five rounds, if it's the same thing and Usman can't put him away, I can promise you now, Masvidal somewhere along that line is gonna hurt uh, Kamar Usman. Some, he's going to do something big that's going to catch him. He's he's that type of guy. He's he's got he has the ability to pull that out of nowhere. Boom. Yeah. And if he's still in there for five of uh, after five rounds, he still has the ability after five rounds. You saw him in the last fight. He was gassed. He was so gassed, but he was still doing something. He was still trying to make something happen, even though he knew he just didn't have uh, the gas tank to go with it. It's a very exciting time. Gentlemen, uh, we've run out of time there, and I know Jorge Jorge And John Jones is running away from Francis Ngonia. John Jones. Why are you chipping now with that? How would you do that? You edit that out. And listen, by the way, Naganu is already the bookie's favorite. Welcome to Africa, son. He has real Africa. He has real Africa. All right, thanks for those. John Jones. They John Jones wouldn't have had to catch a boat over that. He would have just walked on the water. Predator. <laughs> the, the Predator. The Predator. Well, I the don't know predator. if you've seen on social media, he's been posting some incredible, I mean, the head of the Predator, you know, from the Predator movie on his body. It's just awesome. Check it out on social media. Um, 
you see how clinical he was when he was beating that guy. He didn't throw good wild guy. punches. No. Good key combination. Oh, <laughs> John Jones wants none of that. Well, that's for another podcast because we've run out of time. Thank you, guys, as always. Okay, we're going to mute Gareth McClellan right now. Um, but anyway, gentlemen, thank you. Jorge Masvidal against Kamara Usman. That's UFC 261. Uh, looking to baptize the nightmare, the Nigerian nightmare. That's coming up. Also, uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. As always, Adam Speechy, thank you for your time. Thank uh, you, see us. If you're celebrating Easter, we wish you a wonderful uh, Easter, Good Friday, and, uh, of course, um, all the, the festivities. Don't eat too much chocolate. Uh, I'm sure you will, um, Gareth, uh, this weekend. Uh, everyone else, thank you so much, as always. And uh, follow us, uh, like, and subscribe, and we'll bring you uh, our 25th episode. Next time, we'll yep. talk about Vittori and Till. Thanks for watching. Huh. Huh. Welcome to Forever, man. Let's go. Myself, they call me J-O, A to the easy E-N Know that we undefeated, y'all are beneath them speeds It's trying to air a grievance, but his lines are overhead Better check the air for clearance, call the tower, this is our credit here